All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Friday, June 22nd, 2018. And yes, it is the day after the 2018 NBA draft, and it was a good night uh, for SEC basketball with the way that everything uh, sort of unfolded there as you had the league well represented um, with, with a lot of good picks. And I think you had a lot of different players uh, taken in some really good spots. And I think it was a, a really good night for the league. We've always talked about the growth of SEC basketball over the past several years, and certainly that was on display. Uh, Craig Pinkerton, who uh, is the director of communications for the SEC, put out a couple uh, really good stuff on Twitter talking about sort of just as a whole for the SEC. It was the third time um, that the SEC had had four lottery picks in a single draft, uh, the other two times, 1988 and then recently in 2015. Um, and then you had five players uh, taken in the first round of the draft, which we'll get to those players, uh, but that was the third time in the last four years that that had happened. Uh, so a really good night uh, for showcasing SEC basketball. We've always kind of touched on how all these next-level talents uh, continue to kind of come into this league as the coaching has really gotten better and better, and we're seeing the recruits come in uh, year after year. The SEC really seems to thrive in that role, and it's not just Kentucky anymore, and we've continued to say that. Uh, Kentucky's still getting elite talents, but there are a lot of other teams around the conference uh, that are able to now get those type of talents into the SEC, and it's really paying off uh, in terms of sending those guys uh, to the next level. So let's run through uh, just the picks that that took place there. Uh, It was uh, certainly an intriguing night when you talk about, you know, you never know how trades are going to impact things and and all of that. But the first SEC player off the board wasn't really a huge surprise. I mean, I think we'll talk about Michael Porter Jr., but uh, it seemed like Colin Sexton heading into this thing had a really good chance uh, to be the first player taken in, from the SEC, and he certainly was uh, at number eight overall, went to Cleveland. Um, it's an interesting situation because you don't really know what Cleveland's going to look like um, you know, going into next season. You don't know what LeBron's going to do. Uh, but either way, I think you look at Colin Sexton, and we, we've kind of touched on him uh, all throughout this past season. The thing that you have to like most about Sexton, it's just that drive and that competitiveness. Now, you go into a league in the NBA where you have a lot of guys that are very highly skilled. You don't get to the NBA uh, unless you have a lot of skill. So I think it's about those intangibles that, that a player can bring to the table. And you look at a player like Sexton, and he certainly has those intangibles. I think just the energy, uh, the playmaking ability. Uh, but like we said, just that competitiveness, I think that's going to be something that, that you know Cleveland's really going to value. And I think he's someone that will really be able to spark uh, that franchise because, again, you, you don't know what it's going to look like you know, going into next season because you, you're still in a wait-and-see mode in terms of what they're going to decide to do there in Cleveland, what LeBron decides to do. So um, it's too early to tell, you know, kind of what Sexton's going to be able to do in year one there just because you don't know what the roster is going to look like, with, as, which is the case with a lot of these teams. Um, you know, free agency and all that will change things. But um, it, certainly I think he has a chance to, to really succeed. And like with all players, you know, sure, there are things he can still work on. Um, but remember, these kids are, are still very young, uh, and they have a lot of – uh, room in front of them to, to be able to go into these NBA franchises, uh, get help from you know top staffs and people who have all this experience. Um, so I think it's really going to benefit 
Sexton, and I think he has a chance to, to really have a really good career because of that playmaking ability and those intangibles that we talked about that, that really kind of he's going to be able to bring uh, to the table there. So I think he'll be fun to watch uh, there in Cleveland. And then right after that, uh, the SEC train kept rolling, was the ninth overall pick as Kevin Knox went to the Knicks. And I think uh, maybe it caught some people by surprise, if only because uh, with Michael Porter Jr. still on the board, I think some people thought that the Knicks would be the team uh, that took that chance on him. But with Knox, I mean, look, here's a guy who has great size. And I think the biggest thing he's going to bring to the table, we always talk about you know, being able to score on three different levels, and I think he's someone who can do that. Uh, a very versatile type of player that can score, he can rebound, um, he can just do a lot of different things. And I think that's a, the kind of guy you want uh, if you feel like at that spot at the number nine pick, if you want someone you feel like can do a lot of different things for you, not just a scorer, not just a, a defender, uh, but you want somebody who can do a little bit of everything. I think that's the best way to describe Kevin Knox. And his game is not, you know, it doesn't have to be flashy just because he's so good uh, at some of these other things just for his age. Uh, we all kind of remember that game he had uh, at West Virginia. That was a, a great game, the Kentucky-West Virginia game in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, where he scored 34 points. Uh, But that just kind of showcased some of the things he could do. But I think you also have to remember uh, in that particular game some of the other things he did. I mean, he rebounded well. um, And then throughout the season, just a solid rebounder. um, And I think he's someone who who has a very good feel for the game. And I think you never know with the Knicks. uh, It's another one of those teams you just don't ever know kind of what the franchise is going to look like or how things will continue to move forward there. Uh, But they do have a, a solid nucleus in place right now. And I think, you know, being able to fit Knox around someone like Porzingis and having the other guys there, the younger guys, um, I think it gives them a lot to work with. And he's someone you see the Knicks fans booing, you know, during the draft and all that. That's just kind of comes with the territory. Um, I think Knox is someone that, that's really going to have a chance to succeed uh, because he just he's, he's done so many things well and he's proven already. And he certainly has what it takes uh, to, to fit right in there, I think, at that next level. So. The next SEC player off the board was Knox's teammate at Kentucky, and that was at number 11 when the Hornets, who later traded the pick to the Clippers, uh, took Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and I said it on Twitter right after the pick uh, when I thought he was staying with the Hornets, but um, I still, either way, no matter what team he's on, I think this guy is one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, You'll see people that have a lot of different opinions uh, but I think the biggest thing you look at with him, and we talked about the versatility of someone like Knox, uh, but for Gilgis Alexander, I mean, you've got a point guard that can really do so many different things in terms of his his ability with his size, and that wingspan is the thing that everybody's going to talk about. Um, he's 6'6", but with a 7-foot wingspan, uh, that that is just something you can't teach in terms of what he can do uh, at that guard position with that type of uh, wingspan. And I think that ability combined with what he did at Kentucky, and I think there's a couple of things to really note in terms of what he did there. Uh, you know, he was able to affect the game in so many different ways, and he played so many minutes uh, where going into the season, I think some people thought, you know, maybe he's going to kind of be the backup uh, to Quade Green and sort of be in that role for the entire year. But with the way he emerged, you know, John Calipari didn't have a choice. He just had to play him pretty much at all times. Um, and that led to so many different aspects of the game being affected 
by what you know he could do. And I think there were several. I looked it up. I think he had ten games. Uh, where he scored at least 14 points, had at least five rebounds, and at least five assists. So that shows you he can do a little bit of everything, and that's where that size is going to be able to help him a whole lot, I think, uh, in the NBA, where it's such a a big part of the game, even in sort of the small ball era now, as they're calling it. Uh, But I think Gildas Alexander can really be a huge asset for the Clippers, uh, and he is. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, I know that there, like all the other guys, are still things he can improve on. Uh, but I think when you look at upside, and we always talk about upside and potential, those are the two buzzwords when you talk about the draft. Um, this guy's got a lot of it, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And hopefully that's the right fit for him because I do think uh, he can do so many different things. Uh, and I think he's got a chance to, to really be very good and maybe someone um, that we're looking back at and saying, wow, you know, maybe should have went a little higher because uh, of the way that he can impact the game. So that was a good pick for the Clippers. And then next off the board from the SEC was at number 14. And, yes, it's finally where Michael Porter Jr. Uh, landed with the Denver Nuggets. And going into the draft, we knew sort of the biggest stories were probably going to be uh, Luka Doncic and sort of what would be the trade with someone trade up. And as we saw, the Hawks and, and Mavericks kind of traded, you know, back and forth. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, they, they switched spots there. But the, the biggest storyline, I think, you know, kind of t- turned out to be Michael Porter Jr. in terms of what um, happened with him and would he fall based on the questions about the injuries um, and all that. He did fall, but he didn't fall that far to where he, you know, he goes at number 14 to Denver. And when you look back at kind of where the expectations were for him, um, you know, no one expected his season at Missouri to turn out the way that it did, where he only played two two minutes during the regular season. No one could have ever seen that coming. Um, and so there, there's really, it's hard to get a feel on him going forward. But I think if you purely look at this, in terms of what he is capable of uh, at his best. He is one of the best players in this entire draft overall, in my opinion. I think he's one of the best players in there when he's at his best. Now, the problem is, like we said, if there are people that are kind of hesitant about his his health, is he going to be, you know, have a situation where, you know, is this going to be a problem going forward year in and year out? So if they had questions about that, that's great and all. But I think if you're the Denver Nuggets and you're sitting there, you have to be thrilled to get a player of this caliber at number 14. Um, Because if he's ready to go, again, the way that size, someone who has that kind of size that can, you know, step out, shoot shots, very athletic, and all, all that entire package right there, um, really gives you a lot to like about him. And you see all the different comparisons that are made. You see a lot of people kind of comparison, comparing him uh, to someone like Kevin Durant in terms of the way he can play, just w- with that ability, that length. Um, it's going to be fun to see how this whole thing unfolds because he, he's going to continue to be the talk uh, of the draft. And going forward, this is what we're going to look back on um, and look at it because if the potential – Turns out the way that we think it can, uh, it's going to be an absolute steal for the Nuggets at number 14 uh, based on, the, again, the, the size, the athleticism. He has all the pieces that you need, and if that that back is not an issue, 
Michael Porter is going to be a, a very, very uh, impactful player at the NBA level. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, he'll get stronger. He'll be able to be more aggressive, I think, and those are a couple things uh, that will continue to improve with him. Uh, but he has a chance to, to really take over a game. Uh, and I think as he grows as a player, it's going to be very entertaining to watch his development there in Denver. Uh, based on this entire thing. And, you know, look, players can take this as a motivating type of thing. You know, you feel like you're someone, uh, everybody else sort of felt like it. you're a top three type of player in this draft. You don't get picked until number 14. You can use that as a motivating thing and certainly uh, be able to kind of push you going forward. But uh, he's very good. I mean, you know, there, there's a reason why, um, you know, he was such a highly coveted player on a recruiting trail. There was a reason why, he had the potential to possibly be the best player in the country last year. Had he been able to play, had everything kind of gone according to plan. Uh, but Denver's getting a steal here, I think, uh, with getting Porter at that spot. There, there's really no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, if the health and everything is checked out, everything's good to go, uh, Michael Porter's going to be a, a pretty dominant player uh, in the NBA. And so that was the four players uh, that got taken there in the top 14 uh, in those spots. And then the next one up, didn't come until the number 27 pick to Boston. Uh, and it's a player that I'll admit I didn't think would get out of the top 15. I thought he would be right there, uh, 14, 15, maybe 16, something like that. Uh, and that was Robert Williams from, from Texas A&M. Uh, the big man who was sort of projected as a likely lottery pick, I think, uh, falls all the way to 27 to the Celtics. And I don't think, and we kind of talked about it with Denver, I don't think if you're the Celtics, you, you can't get your pick in fast enough uh, to, to grab Robert Williams because it's just pretty incredible to watch how a draft unfolds and to kind of see teams identify what they feel like you know are the right picks for their current roster, their current situation. Uh, the Celtics are loaded with talent. We know that. I mean, they're, they're a win away from getting to the NBA Finals, um, and, and yet they get a player of this caliber. And Robert Williams, you know, if you're listening to this now, you've probably already seen all the stuff kind of come out on Twitter about how the, the Celtics had to uh, reportedly delay the press conference because they, they couldn't get in contact with him, something like that. It wound up being scheduled again, so it kind of wound up being nothing uh, not a huge deal or anything, but I think the, the biggest thing with Robert Williams, and we've can kind of continue to see that over the couple years he was at Texas A&M, he's still a young kid, and I think it's a situation where as he matures, um, he's going to be able to get better and better because in terms of just his overall game, his overall skill set, he's loaded with talent, and I think if he had come out last year we were talking about him being a potential top five pick last year, and it did surprise everyone, seemingly, whenever he decided to come back to Texas A&M, uh, you know, just to kind of want to get another year of college. And it kind of surprised people because he, he did seem like a pretty big lock last year uh, to be in that top five. And yet he decides to come back for another year. Uh, now you kind of make that slide down here to number 27. But it, it, it again goes back to fit. And I think, you know, sometimes the slide's not all that bad when you're going to a situation that's really good because you know those teams picking uh, near the bottom of the first round are teams that have had success. And so the Celtics, who are in a position to have a chance to, to get back to the NBA Finals, when you get Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, those guys back, I mean, 
I don't think you could ask for a better situation for Robert Williams in terms of being able to develop his game. Uh, he doesn't have to be the man right away with the Celtics. They have so many pieces around him. Uh, but now he gets an opportunity to compete against these next-level type of guys and really be able to kind of hone his skills. Uh, that's a lot less pressure on someone. And I think for Robert Williams, you know, again, as he continues to go through the maturation process, I don't think you could ask for for a better situation for him. No one likes to slide. Everybody wants to pick high, all that good stuff. But I think for Robert Williams, this is an awesome situation uh, to be with the Celtics, to be with someone like Brad Stevens uh, and getting that individual development. Because in terms of his physical tools, they're all there. I mean, the athleticism is off the charts, the size. uh, He has it all. It's just a matter of continuing to fine-tune all that, putting it into sort of the total package, and I think this is a great, great fit uh, for Robert Williams. So uh, it's he, it's a great opportunity for him, and I really hope he takes advantage of it because uh, you couldn't have asked for a better situation in terms of landing on a team, on a franchise that is so stable, uh, and not having all that pressure right away. You really get a chance to, to really uh, improve your game, and I think he's going to get an opportunity to do that. So uh, quickly to touch on the two guys who went in the second round, both from Kentucky, uh, not a huge surprise kind of to see where they, they win, and that's Jared Vanderbilt and Hamadou Diallo. When you look at Vanderbilt, who was uh, drafted by the Magic, but he was traded to Denver, um, you know, so he'll get a chance to go there and be there with Michael Porter Jr. Um, you look at Jared Vanderbilt, you know, a very limited amount that people saw from him in Kentucky because of the injury situation. Um, but it was clear that, that you know, he had that, that type of talent uh, to where he could go into the league and get a chance, and he's now he's getting an opportunity. Uh, when he was on the floor, you, you could see it. You could sense uh, sort of his abilities there, and I think you just look at sort of his rebounding ability and what he was able to do at Kentucky. You know, he really didn't play a ton of minutes, but even when he was on the floor, um, he was a huge part in terms of rebounding. Uh, I think he had five double-digit rebounding games, and again, you think about the minutes that he played. I don't think he ever played above 26, 27 minutes, I think, in a game. Um, you know, he only appeared in, I think it was 14 games, something like that. So, you know, you look at that, and I think you have that situation where you don't have a lot to go off of in terms of his college, but I think seeing him on the court, there was no doubt that that his ability, you know, at the forward position, he was going to get an opportunity because of that rebounding ability and he'll continue to get better at that I mean it's just you you find a guy like that who can pull down uh rebounds at such a high rate um you know and you have the size that he does that's going to really help him um so we'll we'll see how he uh sticks on there in Denver and then Hamadou Diallo kind of has an, an interesting uh draft night when he kind of was briefly uh, on a couple different teams where um, he's drafted by the Nets, uh, getting the move to Charlotte, and then ultimately winds up uh, with Oklahoma City. And I think with Diallo, you know, it's just about developing the skills uh, because we all know about his athleticism. You know, we talk about that vertical, and it's just, uh, you know, that leaping ability. Uh, he can certainly give you some highlight real plays. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think he's just going to have to develop on both sides of the floor. But this kind of gives you that opportunity to do that. And we know kind of in that second round, this is usually the case where, you know, you take a chance on guys, you feel like you have an opportunity to develop them, and then you just kind of see where it goes. And so Diallo will get that opportunity now to see if he can become a part 
um, of the rotation there in Oklahoma City. So uh, a very good draft, like I mentioned, for the SEC. Uh, all these different guys, you know, getting to a chance to, to live their dream here and go on to the next level, have an opportunity to play. And there will be a lot of other guys, and this has already happened, as we see every year. A lot of other SEC players uh, will sign on with teams for the summer league and all that, and, and you'll be able to keep up with that. Throughout the summer, uh, always fun to watch the summer league action because you do, you know, you get to see the guys who were drafted, but you also get to see guys um, who, you know, are signing on with summer league teams and getting an opportunity to make rosters. Uh, and there will be a lot of guys in the SEC uh, that will have an opportunity to do that. So uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Southeast Tubes podcast. Wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about the draft uh, with all these guys playing a, a, certainly a huge part in the SEC success overall this past season. And I'll have a lot more episodes on the way here this summer on the Southeast Hoops podcast to get you ready for the 2018-19 season. So be sure to subscribe. Just go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. That way you get every episode delivered as soon as it goes up. Um, and then, you know, southeasthoops.com, of course, that's where you can find all the written stuff I do pretty much on a daily basis now. But we're really going to try to emphasize the podcast here as we continue to move throughout the summer, uh, give you just some bite-sized information in all these different episodes uh, to get you ready, break down players, break down teams, uh, all sorts of things. So if you love SEC basketball, be sure to subscribe uh, as we'll continue to have a lot of stuff uh, on the way here as we go throughout the offseason. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>